Shirts fans to episode number 91 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. The Rangers, of course, coming off of a tough 5-3 afternoon loss against the Philadelphia Flyers at home in Madison Square Garden. The Rangers' second straight loss, both of them coming at the hands of the Flyers, and it's just kind of unfortunate timing the way the schedule worked out because the Rangers were really rolling for a while there, and they just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. The Flyers have really been playing well recently. That is their sixth straight win today and Carter Hart you know he's he's been fantastic in these last couple of games and like I mentioned in the last episode I think he's probably the best goalie that the Flyers have had in a really really long time and this game really a total mixed bag I mean the Rangers obviously defensively did not play well Henrik Lundqvist did not play well we're going to talk about that in just a minute it wasn't all on Henrik Lundqvist I thought his defense could have helped him out a little bit more than they did in this one but before we really get into that, I just want to talk about the starting lineup here a little bit because obviously, you know, Chris Kreider is out of the picture, and so you got to shake up the lines a little bit. And the Rangers, for their top line, they stick with Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich, but on the left wing now is Philip DiGiuseppe. So he jumps from the third line up to the first line. They they choose to give him an, him an opportunity with the top guys. And then the second line stays intact. Ryan Strom centering Artemi Panarin or Jesper Faust, or at least it did until Strom found himself benched a little bit later in this game. We'll talk about that in a little while as well. And then, of course, third line, you've got Philip Heedle centering Brett Howden, who is on the left wing, and Capo Caco. And then the fourth line, Greg McKaig back into the lineup, and he centers Brennan Lemieux and Julian Gauthier. And we talked in the last episode as well about the possibility of the Rangers calling somebody up from the Wolfpack to this team. And I still think a move could be coming somewhere down the pipe. I mean, I suppose it's fine for this game to to toss Greg McKay out there, give him a game. I mean, he's been all right recently. It's but like we were talking about in the recent episode, it's just that he's kind of a limited player. He doesn't have the upside that somebody like a Vitali Kravtsov or a Vinny Letary has. And I just think that when you lose a player like Chris Kreider, you got to aim big. You got to aim a little bit bigger than Greg McKeg. And again, no disrespect to Greg McKeg. He plays hard and I think he gets the absolute most out of what he's got, but I think, like I said, I just think you need to replace that scoring production and you got to go with a Kravtsov or a Letary sooner or later. And I realize, you know, Kravtsov hasn't lit up the AHL this season. Maybe they're not quite ready to call these guys up, but you know what? This team's in a playoff chase. Sometimes you got to be bold. And I think sooner or later, it might be worth giving one of these guys a look. As far as Henrik Lundqvist goes, this was a tough spot for him, and I'm not going to put all the blame of this loss on Henrik Lundqvist because, like I said, I don't think that he really got a ton of help in this one. And he's in a tough spot here. He hasn't started a game since February 3rd. That's not conducive to success when you're a goalie who's used to being on the ice every single night, every single game, and just having you know a big workload and, and just playing constantly. And obviously, he has not had a lot of playing time. A couple of the goals today came on rebounds, and on one hand, he's giving up rebounds that maybe he shouldn't give up, at least maybe not all of them. And then on the other hand, his teammates could have done a much better job clearing some of those guys out of there. And again, Lundqvist, not only is he making his first start in nearly a month, but he's doing it against a team that, like we said, is white hot. They had won five in a row coming into this game. They had scored four or more goals in all five of those those wins that they claimed. And so not all of this falls on Lundqvist, but Lundqvist did not have a good game either. One of the most telling aspects for me with Lundqvist is... 
look at him on breakaways and compare him how he is on breakaways now to how he used to be, you know, five or even 10 years ago. When an opposing player used to get a breakaway against Henrik Lundqvist, I can remember watching these games and seeing somebody coming in on a breakaway and almost getting arrogant about it. Like, oh yeah, this guy thinks he's going to score on Henrik Lundqvist. Like, while the player was skating to the net, I would actually get arrogant about it and, and think, like, you've got no chance, buddy. you got no chance. And Lundqvist would usually prove me right. He was fantastic against breakaways, and that was, you know, just one of his many outstanding traits that he had when he was a top three, top five goalie in this league for as many years as he was. Now, though, whenever somebody gets a breakaway, whenever they get behind the defense against the Rangers, and again, that's going to happen a little bit because the Rangers are so young, they are going to make some mistakes, they are going to give up some odd man rushes from time to time. Whenever it happens, you don't really have a good feeling. I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody, but whenever I see a team coming in on an odd man rush, especially if it's a clean breakaway and it's just one-on-one with Henrik Lundqvist, I just don't have a good feeling anymore that he's going to stop it. And we saw twice today where a flyer got behind the Ranger defense. And again, the Rangers defense could have been better. That's fair. But once they're past the defenseman and they're one-on-one with Lundqvist, I just don't feel like he's going to make the save. And I hate to say that, but that's just the feeling that overtakes me. Now, when I see a flyer going one-on-one with Henrik Lundqvist, I don't feel good about his chances of keeping the puck out of the net. And that was not the case as recently as, you know, even four or five seasons ago. So, you know, it's just one thing. It's just one little small aspect of playing goalie, but it's just a 180 compared to what it used to be five years ago, seven years ago, 10 years ago. Henrik Lundqvist against breakaways. He used to stop every single one of them, it felt like. And now it feels like, you know, he lets in more than he stops. And again, it's just kind of symbolic of the the bigger picture here. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Rangers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ranger fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ranger fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. So let's go ahead and jump into the period-by-period breakdowns here. The Rangers get a chance pretty much right off the opening faceoff. They go in on a three-on-two, and Strom shoots just wide of the net. But then the Rangers take a penalty 23 seconds into the game. And again, I had flashbacks to October there when this was an epidemic, these early penalties. But in this case, I mean, at least it was a situation where you can understand why Ryan Lindgren committed the penalty. I mean, it was partially his own doing because he let Konechny get by him. But Konechny was going hard to the net, and he was going to go in there pretty much uncontested. And Lindgren didn't really have a choice. He had to hook him. And so the Flyers go on an early power play here. Lundqvist made an early pad save against Voracek. Here's a bandage. I got a clear, and then you started to hear some chants of Henrik from the Garden, which I thought was really cool because obviously the fans, they kind of know what he's up against here. You know, all the conditions that I just described— In the start of this episode here, you know, he's going up against a hot team. He hasn't played in forever. He's obviously not the same goalie that he used to be a long time ago. And at least the fans are kind of trying to get behind him here, try to rally behind Henrik Lundqvist a little bit. But unfortunately, the Flyers end up scoring on this power play. They hit the post and then Matt Niskanen buries the rebound and they are up one to nothing very early in this game. 
But then Lundqvist went through a stretcher where I thought he actually played pretty well. Couturier took a shot from the slot, and Lundqvist made a nice save there, knocked it away. The Flyers get a partial breakaway. Abe Kubel goes in, and Lundqvist makes a save there as well. And it's kind of a catch-22 because you kind of want Lundqvist to get some action early in this game because he hasn't played in forever. So let's make a couple of early saves and kind of get him into the flow of the game a little bit. But at the same time, you know, you don't want him to be under constant fire here because, like we said, he has not played in a long time and obviously has not had a career season here. So it's kind of hard to know which to root for here. The Rangers got a power play, and the Rangers were awesome on the power play today. I mean, I I suppose if you're looking for a silver lining from this game, it's that the Rangers not only scored three power play goals, which is fantastic. You'll take that any day of the week. They went three for six on the power play. But I swear, all six power plays, it looked like they were going to score. The puck movement was absolutely outstanding. Unfortunately, they don't score on this one. Just can't quite light the lamp, and Carter Hart made some really nice saves. Hart got lucky on the one, too, because Pavel Buchnevich was in front of the net. He deflected the puck, and the puck basically uh, just happened to catch Hart right in the mask and, and bounce away from the net. If that doesn't hit him in the mask, it's going over one of his shoulders and likely into the net. But it is what it is, just bad puck luck there for the Rangers. And then Capo Caco gets an opportunity in front of the net. Brandon Lemieux passes from behind the net in front to Caco, and Hart kicks out his right pad and steers it away, and you... At this point, for me anyway, I'm just kind of hoping that it's not a situation where this goalie starts to get into the Rangers' heads a little bit, because obviously, Carter Hart was outstanding in this game today. To to start the game, he got off to a hot start and pretty much just kept it up all the way through. And then, of course, on Friday, he played very well also. The Rangers only scored two goals, and one of them was in complete garbage time with about 30 seconds left. So Carter Hart obviously had the Rangers number a little bit through these two games. But the Rangers, you know, again, they they kept swarming. They kept getting the puck at the net. I thought the Rangers offensively played a pretty strong game. It was just too many defensive meltdowns, too many mistakes, and obviously, you know, just not quite good enough from Lundqvist today either. Hart denied Mika Zibanejad on a breakaway shortly after this. And then we get a commercial break, and Kevin Hayes and Elaine Vigneault are honored in a video tribute during the break. And I really wish we could have seen this. I didn't see it on the NBC broadcast. Maybe I'll try to look it up on YouTube a little later, see how it was. But really a cool thing for the Rangers to do there. And, you know, the Ranger fans early in this game had been booing Kevin Hayes. And I get it. You know, that's just what you do when you when you have a player that comes back into your building, especially wearing the sweater of a rival, as the Flyers are. They're going to hear it from the crowd, especially a New York crowd. But... You know, it was nice that the Ranger fans at least gave him and Vigneault a nice hand after they played this video tribute here. And both of them uh, acknowledged the crowd. You know, Hayes really put his hand up and just kind of waved to everybody. And, you know, it's not Kevin Hayes' fault. The Rangers traded him. The Rangers were trying to do this rebuild. They sent him away. They traded him to the Winnipeg Jets. And after that, he moves on to the Flyers and signs a seven-year, $50 million contract with them. Kind of seemed like a steep price to pay, although he has played fairly well there. But that that was a lot for Kevin Hayes, I got to admit. And, you know, it is what it is. He he took the money, which a lot of players are going to do. The Flyers gave him that contract. And who's going to argue with that? You know, he, he does what he's got to do. Yeah, but still nice to see the Rangers, you know, obviously giving him a nice hand during this video tribute here. And as for AV, you know, I was a big fan of him when he was on the Rangers. Because when you look at it, I mean, he's been basically the most successful Rangers coach just about ever. I mean, and unless you're going back to like pre-1940, because think about it. The Rangers have only won the Stanley Cup once since 1940. Mike Keenan was the head coach that year, yes, but he only lasted one year. That was his only year as the head coach of the Rangers. He just butted heads with too many people in the organization. So I ask you, in however many years that is from 1940 until now, what, so that's 80 years, who, show me a better Ranger coach than Elaine Vigneault, because Many times the Rangers went on some deep playoff runs with him as their head coach. 
Twice they came out of a 3-1 to series deficit to win a playoff series. I really liked him. I think he got a lot out of his players. And yeah, you know, maybe it went a little bit sour toward the end and the Rangers were looking to rebuild here. And when you're going through a rebuild, probably the most prudent thing to do is to bring a new voice into the locker room. And that's what the Rangers have done with David Quinn here. It was time for AV to go. You know, I'll give you that. But yeah, I mean, I got nothing but positive things to say about him. I thought he was an outstanding coach for the Rangers. And again, led them on some deep marches into the postseason. About the only thing they didn't do was conclude one of those seasons by lifting the Stanley Cup. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, they got close a bunch of times. And yeah, for my money, I mean, he's the best coach that the Rangers have had, at least since I've been alive and probably quite a bit longer than that. Can David Quinn surpass him? Of course he can. And, you know, I like what I've seen from David Quinn so far. I think he holds these guys accountable. He's getting good production out of a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys have kind of, and we've talked about this in other episodes, but they've kind of arrived, quote unquote, ahead of schedule. And I think that has a lot to do with coaching. You know, you're getting some really nice seasons out of some really young players, whether it's Adam Fox or Ryan Lindgren or Tony D'Angelo, or Ryan Stromer, even Artemi Panarin is having the best season of his career. Now, I'm sure Artemi Panarin would be just fine no matter who the head coach is, but, you know, it bears mentioning that Artemi Panarin is having the best season of his life under David Quinn, and you could say the same thing for Mika Zibanejad as well. So I really like what I'm seeing for Quinn, hopefully, and, you know, it's obviously going to be a good thing if he surpasses AV. We will see how it shakes out over the years. But right now, yeah, I think David Quinn has a chance to to be just that good, if not better. I think he's the right man for the job. And hopefully, you know, it's only a matter of time before the Rangers are embarking on some more deep playoff runs with David Quinn as the head coach. But anyway, Ryan Strom takes a penalty. He goes off for hooking in the neutral zone. I think it was against Voracek and... I don't know. I mean, it's probably a penalty by the letter of the law, but didn't it look to you guys like the flyer? And I, again, I believe it was Vorchek. Didn't it look like he kind of took a dive on this? I mean, Strom's stick barely kind of clips his midsection and he wipes out and like crashes into the boards. I don't know. It, it seemed like a little bit of an overreaction by the flyer on that play, but it is what it is. They call the penalty. And then, of course, the flyers score on the power play. Uh, Lundqvist makes a save, but the puck bounces right in front to Couturier, and Couturier puts it home to make the score 2 to nothing at that point. Rangers go back on the power play, and I got to talk about this play. You guys know, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time here, you know that I tend to try to keep things pretty positive on here. I try to be kind of glass half full, and I stay pretty even keeled. I mean, you guys don't see me watching the games, but I try to stay pretty even keeled while I'm watching the games. This got me about as mad as anything I can remember recently. So, the Rangers, like we said, they're on the power play. They're still down 2 nothing. The power play looks good. You know, they're getting good puck movement. It looked good earlier. It looked pretty good here. You're thinking, hey, maybe we can get one back here before the first period ends. We're down 2-1, to one and everything's cool. We got them right where we want them, because we know how the Rangers have been coming back lately. But Ryan Strom has the puck, and, and Strom did not have a good game here. But he's got the puck just inside the Ranger blue line with his back toward the flyer net. And Raffle comes over and just cross-checks him in the back straight to the ice. Nothing called. And it leads directly to an odd man rush going the other way, a two-on-one, and Grant passes to Raffle, and Raffle ends up scoring off of this and makes it three to nothing. And this was such a blatantly obvious cross-check to the back. I just watched it again. I just watched the play again another three or four times just to make sure that I'm not crazy, that I'm not seeing things. Because when I watched this game this afternoon, I didn't hear the announcers talk about it. Nobody, everybody was acting like Raffle made a great play, which, I mean, hey, I guess if you can get away with it, it is a great play. He knocked his man to the ice, but he knocked Strom to the ice with a cross-check to the back. I, I don't know what the refs could have possibly been looking at. Maybe it's one of those things 
where because the Rangers were already on the power play, the the refs were too hesitant to call another penalty against the Flyers and give the Rangers a five on three. But a penalty is a penalty. A cross check is a cross check. This was, I mean, it wasn't like malicious. I'm not saying he should be like suspended or fined or anything like that. But he cross checked Strom in the back, and it led to a two on one the other way. I was really mad after that one. It, it, that made it three to nothing because you're hopeful there that you know what this power play looks good. We can make it two to one. We can get right back into this game, and just like that, it's three to nothing. But the other part of this play I wanted to talk about too is this is one of those examples I was talking about in the intro when I mentioned Henrik Lundqvist. It wasn't like a, a traditional breakaway. It's not like Raffle got the puck in the neutral zone and, and went in completely one on one with Lundqvist. But when Raffle received the pass, he was behind the Ranger defense, so he got it kind of in deep right there on the doorstep. And he just scored so easily. Like, it just, I hate to say this, but it just looked like Lundqvist had no chance to stop him here, you know? And and, and Raffle, he's a decent player, but, I mean, it's not Connor McDavid coming in there by himself, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where you see that now, you see somebody get to be one-on-one with Lundqvist, and you just don't have the confidence in Lundqvist that you used to have as a Ranger fan. So we go to the second period, and I know on the NBC broadcast there, there was a little bit of speculation about possibly taking Henrik Lundqvist out of this game uh, during the first intermission and going with Georgiev in the second period from the second period on for the rest of the game. I'm glad the Rangers did not do that. Look, Henrik Lundqvist did not have a good first period. He gave up the three goals, but give him a chance, okay? It's just one period. If you're going to pull him after just one period, then why start him in the first place? You know, it's just one of those things where as a Ranger fan and as a guy who's, who's been rooting for Henrik Lundqvist for 15 years now, or however long it's been. I just didn't want to see him embarrassed like that. It's his first start in a month, and to me, it was like, you know, just let him in it and just see if we can get through this game, you know, because, again, this is a really tough opponent that he was going up against here today and playing for the first time in a month, trying to shake the rust off on the fly, but I'm glad they didn't go to Georgiev because, again, if you pull Lundqvist after one period, then why start him in the first place? So I'm glad that they stuck with Lundqvist, and, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he gave up another two goals, but he at least had a scoreless third period. I'm glad he at least made it through this game. And again, you know, the help wasn't always there, but not a banner day for Henrik Lundqvist by any stretch. And unfortunately, the second period does not start a whole lot better than the first period for Henrik Lundqvist because Grant makes a strong drive to the net. Ryan Lindgren was there. I think maybe he was a little bit too worried about trying to take away the pass. And I understand as a defenseman, it's two on one. That's got to be your priority. But I just felt like at some point it became obvious that Grant was not looking to pass. He was going to drive to the net. Maybe Lindgren could have stepped in there a little bit. But bottom line, Grant goes in, no real resistance from Lindgren, and he just goes right around Henrik Lundqvist and scores. And again, one-on-one with the goalie here. It's not a traditional clean breakaway, but he's one-on-one with Henrik Lundqvist, and you just don't think he's going to stop it, and he didn't stop it, and it's 4 nothing about a minute and a half into the second period. So still 4 nothing. Henrik Lundqvist makes a save. There is a play stoppage, and Lemieux really wants to fight Abi Kubel. Uh, there was a situation in the first period where they were kind of going at it before a faceoff, and Lemieux really is going after him here. Lemieux drops his gloves, but unfortunately, Abi Kubel does not do the same thing. And then from the comfort of our living rooms, we got a very audible, are you bleeping kidding me from Lemieux that came right through the TV, right into our living room. So I'm sure if you're watching this game with your five and six-year-old kids, you had to love that. But bottom line, uh, Brendan Lemieux gets a two-minute penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, and he also gets a 10-minute game misconduct, which I don't know. I mean, he did drop his gloves, and Abi Kubel didn't. I mean, maybe Abi Kubel could have fought him a little bit here. He did not. And I suppose if you're the refs, by the letter of the law, uh, the right thing to do here is the 10-minute misconduct. I do think that refs tend to uh, target Brennan Lemieux, but in this case, I suppose, again, by the letter of the law, 
Uh, not necessarily a bad call here, but certainly I understand Lemieux's frustration as well. I mean, he doesn't want to get kicked out of this game for 10 minutes. His team's down 4 nothing. He wants to be out there fighting with them and, you know, kind of trying to set a tone for the Rangers. You know, he, he was a guy that was, again, playing with a lot of fire today, looking to kind of start some trouble with various flyers to try to fire his team up a little bit, get them back into the game. And certainly when you're down 4 nothing, and you've got a guy that can act as a catalyst like Brendan Lemieux can, he's certainly somebody that you don't want to lose for those 10 minutes. Rangers do kill off that penalty, and then they get a power play of their own with 7.43 left in the second period, and the Rangers score just 16 seconds into the man advantage. Panarin passes in deep to Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad deflects it into the top shelf to make it 4-1, to one, and Zibanejad had drawn the penalty as well just 16 seconds earlier, so you get a little bit of hope here. You know the Rangers are not going to quit. We've seen that time and time again this season. And then Zibanejad draws another penalty less than a minute later. Rangers get back on the power play. Some really, really nifty puck movement here, but they do not score. And then Strom with his second penalty of the afternoon. He takes a slashing penalty in the offensive zone. So I thought the first penalty against Strom, eh, you know, 50-50, could have gone either way. Call versus no call. This one, though, was a penalty. He took the slash. And so Strom now has taken two penalties, one in the neutral zone, one in the offensive zone. And if I've said it once, I've said it 100 times, you can live with the Rangers taking penalties if you're doing it to prevent a goal. If you're really back on your heels and your opponents are swarming in your zone and you just have to hook somebody down or hold somebody or do whatever you got to do to prevent that puck from going in the net, then okay, you can at least understand that. Teams are going to take penalties. Nobody's going to go through a whole season without taking a penalty. But when you take a penalty and the puck is, you know, however many feet away from your own net, it's, you know, closer to the Flyers net than your own net. You just can't do that. You got to be more disciplined than that. And Strom goes off with the penalty here. And then, of course, the Flyers score on the power play just five seconds into the power play. In fact, they get a deflection by Konechny in front, and they go up five to one. That is their third power play goal of the afternoon. So, yeah, really, really just just a rough afternoon here for the Rangers in just about every aspect. And that was indeed the score at the second intermission. Third period starts, and the Rangers get an early scoring opportunity. Panarin passes the puck to Foss, and Foss goes in deep. He's going in with some speed, but he just flat out misses the net from in pretty deep. And I thought this happened a lot in this game. You know, the Rangers created a lot of good scoring opportunities, and there were a couple times where Carter Hart just stood on his head to keep the puck out of the net. But there were also a lot of instances where I thought the Rangers had the puck in some pretty prime real estate in pretty deep, going to take a short-range, almost point-blankish type of shot, and just miss the net. And I, I don't know... The reason for that, I don't know if maybe they were just trying to be a little too fine against a goalie who's been hot, or maybe it's just one of those games. You know, maybe it's just one of those games where not a whole lot goes right, and, you know, the the shots were just a little bit off for the Rangers. And then not long after that, the Rangers come close to making it 5-2. to Zibanejad centers to Brennan Smith. Brennan Smith puts it right off the post. Shortly thereafter, the Rangers get another power play opportunity, and they score just 12 seconds into the man advantage to make it 5-2, to about Five minutes into the third period here. So another quick strike on the power play. Uh, Zibanejad won the faceoff. The Rangers worked the puck around the perimeter a little bit. Uh, Zibanejad finds Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo's kind of near the boards. He shoots, and Buchnevich deflects the puck between the legs of Carter Hart to make it 5-2. to two. You know, Buchnevich was in there looking for a deflection attempt uh, with, I believe it was Panarin earlier in the game. So you wonder if maybe the Rangers have Buchnevich ticketed for that Kreider role, to be the guy to, to go to the net and look for those tipping goals, look to uh, maybe clean up some rebounds. We'll keep an eye on that going forward, but I'd be curious to know if, if you know, maybe Buchnevich is going to fill that void, especially on the power play, but something definitely to keep our eyes on going forward, something that I'm going to be looking forward to watching when the Rangers are back in action on Tuesday night at home against the St. Louis Blues. 
I do have to mention this. Just a couple minutes later, Provorov is in all by himself, and he shoots from the doorstep, and Lundqvist makes an outstanding glove save, full extension, reaching upwards. So, you know, even in, a, in an afternoon where obviously it was not a good day for Henrik Lundqvist, you know, he still does show you those flashes every once in a while. I mean, this this should be on, you know, best of plays of the night, plays of the week, whatever, whatever you want to call it. This is a fantastic save by Lundqvist here. And the Rangers continue to get some opportunities down the stretch here, but Hart, Hart was just better. You know, he just had an outstanding afternoon and just kept the puck out of the net for the most part. But the Rangers get back on the power play. Brett Howden is in Ryan Strom's spot on the power play here. And obviously a result of Ryan Strom taking too many penalties and just not having a good game overall. And then Howden actually makes a big play. He does a great job preventing the Flyers from clearing the zone. He's right near the blue line. He knocks the puck down. And he quickly moves the puck to Artemi Panarin, just kind of a little short pass there, and Panarin sends the puck in deep to Mika Zibanejad, and Zibanejad with a little forehand-to-backhand move on the doorstep, he roofs the shot and makes it 5-3, to three. and, you know, a little bit of hope here, because at this point, you were down by four goals coming into this period, you've knocked it down to just two goals, and you've got more than seven minutes to play with, so at this point it's at least conceivable that the Rangers could come back. I mean, hey, you could score two goals in seven minutes. Who says that that's impossible? And it, it is great to see, you know, again, this was not a banner afternoon for the Rangers in general, but this team does not quit. And we've seen so many examples of that all throughout the season, even in the earlier parts of the season when the Rangers made a lot of mistakes and they were, you know, just having trouble with a lot of different areas of their game. Uh, the effort was always there. I mean, again, I can only count certainly on one hand, the amount of times this year where I thought the effort was lacking for this team. It might be as few as, you know, maybe two, three games at the most all season. And when you play 82 games, and I realize they haven't played all 82 yet, but when you play this many games and you've only come out flat maybe twice, three times at the most, I think the Rangers should definitely be applauded for that. And once again, you know, showing a lot of heart, showing a lot of character, and showing the willingness to fight back here, fight back through some adversity, despite an afternoon that really had not gone their way at all to this point. Unfortunately, that was as close as the Rangers would get. They end up losing 5-3. to three. They pull Henrik Lundqvist with about 2.20 left, and I swear the entire rest of this game was basically played on Philadelphia's side of the ice. The Rangers just couldn't finish, and Carter Hart just continued to stand on his head, and time runs out, and 5-3 to three is your final, and just like that, the Flyers sweep both ends of this home-and-home, home, you know, playing each other twice in three days, and it's just unfortunate the Rangers are going to have to regroup a little bit here. Some other, uh, I suppose, unfortunate news. Or you know what? Let's not call it unfortunate news. Let's say the Rangers are about to be challenged because they do have a tough schedule coming up here. And this was the first game of a four-game homestand, which sounds nice, but then you look at the opponents. So they lose to the Flyers today. They've got the St. Louis Blues at home on Tuesday at 7 p.m., and then they've got the Washington Capitals at home on Thursday at 7 p.m. And then the New Jersey Devils at home on Saturday at 7 p.m. So the next two games going to be against the last two Stanley Cup winners. So the Rangers obviously going to be tested there. And they're both two of the best teams in hockey this season. Caps have slumped a little bit recently, but they're still on top of their division. Obviously, they're still a very talented team. But let's try to end this episode on some positives. Uh, first of all, Igor Shosturkin is back on the ice already. And he's, he's facing low shots is what they're saying. And here's what Coach Quinn had to say. He feels a lot better, so he might be back sooner than we envisioned. So that's awesome. I mean, Igor Shosturkin was just straight out of a video game, just an absolute cheat code while he's up with the Rangers. 9-1 and one in his first 10 games as a New York Ranger. So the sooner he can get back out there, the better. It's no disrespect to Henrik Lundqvist. It's no disrespect to Alex Georgiev. But when you've got a goalie that was playing as well as Igor Shosturkin, you want him on the ice. And certainly with the Rangers trying to, again, 
get back into this playoff picture, get back into a playoff position here. You want to be able to, you know, play your A lineup going down the stretch here. And the A lineup right now involves Igor Shesterkin being between the pipes. So fingers crossed he can get back sooner rather than later. I mean, I'd be surprised if he played on Tuesday against the Blues. I suppose you never know. But we'll keep our fingers crossed that he can be out there, like we said, a little bit sooner than the Rangers initially thought that he would be. And the other good news here is that before these two losses to the Flyers, before the losses on Friday and Sunday, the Rangers were two points out of the last playoff spot. After these two losses, they are two points out of a playoff spot because all these teams around them in the standings can't win a game. I mean, for a while, it seemed like these teams never lost. When the Rangers were on fire there and they were trying to track some of these teams down and and scratch and claw their way back into the playoff picture, it felt like so many of these teams were just on fire. All of a sudden now, all these teams that are kind of bunched with the Rangers in the standings here, none of them can win a game. I mean, the Blue Jackets right now still hanging on to the second wildcard spot. They have 76 points. They are in free fall. They've only won one out of their last 10 games. They cannot win a game. The Islanders have really struggled recently. You know, they're down to being a wild card now because the Flyers have passed them in the standings. And the Islanders have 78 points. They're the first wild card right now, but they've only won three out of their last 10. And then you look at the Carolina Hurricanes. They're in front of the Rangers. They've only won four out of their last 10. How about behind the Rangers? The, the Florida Panthers right behind the New York Rangers, but they have only won three out of their last 10. So a lot of teams are slumping. And if you want to you know, take a look a little bit higher up the standings. Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. They are in free fall right now. They have lost six straight games and they have 80 points. The Rangers have 74 points and there's still a long way to go here. The Rangers, let's see, they have 17 games left. You're going to tell me they can't make up six points in 17 games. I mean, I don't think the Penguins are going to continue losing like this for that much longer and just fall hopelessly out of the playoff race. But hey, the Rangers are within striking distance of even the Penguins now. So, Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is the Rangers still have everything in front of them. I saw some people on social media starting to panic and, you know, oh, well, so much for the playoffs. Not true. Now, it was a missed opportunity getting swept in both of these games by the Flyers because had the Rangers won both of them, they'd be in the playoff picture right now. If the season ended right now and the Rangers had won both of those games, they would be a postseason team. That's not the case because they lost both of those games. But bottom line is it didn't hurt them quite as badly as you might think because all these teams are right within striking distance for the Rangers. The Rangers coming down the stretch, the schedule's going to get a little bit tougher. You know, I looked at the March schedule. There's some challenging games in there, but they've got everything right in front of them. And Playoffs remain very much a possibility. They're going to have to earn it, though, because, like I said, this schedule is going to get a little bit tougher. They're going to have to win the games against the teams that they're supposed to beat, and they're going to have to steal a couple of games against teams that, frankly, are better than they are. So, you know what? If they want it, it's still right there. Go take it, man. It, it could still happen. I don't want anybody to give up on the Rangers. Be optimistic going forward. It's a great opportunity on Tuesday going up against the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. The Blues, right now, on top of the Western Conference, they have 88 points. They are 39, 17, and 10. They have won seven in a row. So, yeah, another white-hot team here. But embrace that challenge. Embrace the challenge of going toe-to-toe with the Stanley Cup champs and a team that is on fire and just find a way to take them down. Hey, you know what? The Blues... I mean, I think it's a high-character team. Obviously, they they won the Stanley Cup together last year, but maybe they take their foot off the gas for a night. You know, it's not like they have to win every single game. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to get a chance to defend their championship. So, yeah, you know, you just hope that maybe they come out just a half-step slow and the Rangers find a way to just kind of take it to them and get a big two points there. So we're going to be back on Wednesday to talk about that. We'll also have an episode for you guys on Tuesday. And that's going to do it for today. Once again, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with this podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter 
at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.